Well, introduce yourself, Tim. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'll start. Uh, Tim Bradley is my name. If you don't know me, many of you I know do. I'm a, a staff elder, uh, which basically means uh, that this is my job as well as uh, my position as an elder. Uh, my specific responsibilities, areas of responsibilities here at the church are the biblical counseling ministry as well as children and family ministry. And, and specifically in children and family ministry, I oversee the elementary children's ministry, so first through fifth grade. And then things like uh, the marriage classes. There's uh, two marriage classes presently going on. Uh, parenting seminar coming up a week from this weekend. Uh, things of, of that nature are what I directly oversee. Uh, my wife, Marcy, and four kids are not here tonight. We've been dealing with about almost two weeks of, of even croup uh, with our youngest baby and, and really bad colds for the kids. Uh, but we've been members of Desert Springs Church before it was called Desert Springs. It was called Riverview, so a little over 13 years. We've been part of the church, and I've been on staff coming up this summer six years. My name is Tim Ray, and uh, I am what's called a lay elder. Not a lame elder, just a lay elder. Um, that just simply means I am not on staff here at the church, so I work outside of the church as well. But um, I've been part of DSC for, I think, about eight or nine years. Ten? Sorry, my wife's just slapping signals to me. Um, I uh, oversee missions here at the church, so uh, right now that is global and some local, although Tim Ragsdale is on the verge of taking local. So um, it's been a blessing to be a part of that. Uh, we've hired Clint Moore uh, to be the missions director. That's been a great blessing to the church and to me because of the, uh, just the size of missions here. Um, I am married to my beautiful wife, Kara, and we have three kids and our fourth due in five weeks. So, Well, Hello. Um, my name is Jay Rush, and I am the elder over home groups. Um, it's exciting because we've got a lot of new changes happening within the home group ministry, a lot of new leadership development with the help of Ron Gisi, and um, a lot of men stepping up to the plate and taking the reins of, of leadership within the church. And so I have the privilege to um, meet with those men, help them, encourage them, and um, and grow that ministry and hopefully get all of you guys plugged into home groups. So that's my area of oversight. I've been with the church for about uh, six years, and um, my wife is in the back, Leah, and we have four kids. So glad to be here tonight. I'm Bill Anderson. I'm also uh, a lay elder. I manage uh, some businesses here in New Mexico. Um, and uh, I've been a member of DSC for um, 10 years. I'm married to Debbie Anderson. And um, we have three kids and three grandkids and one more in the oven. Right, Kate? <laughs> um, my area of uh, ministry oversight is, um, is ministry to uh, families through youth uh, and young adults, youth um, being uh, mid-high and high school kids in and, and our paradox ministry, and, um, and then uh, young adults through the well. And honestly, both of those areas, 
are uh, being overseen by um, two guys that are in eldership development, and so they are um, really uh, in the process of, of changing in that regard uh, from two guys who we trust and love a lot. But um, uh, DSC has been our home since we moved here uh, 10 years ago, and it's, um, it's really great to see such a great turnout tonight from you guys. So. My name is Ron Giese. I'm um, pastor of administration and also leadership development here at Desert Springs. Uh, only been here for three years. Uh, moved here from teaching about 20 years in seminary where I taught in the classroom and was an academic dean. And so in the seminary context was over things like a budget and over faculty, and it wasn't too hard of a stretch to kind of transfer that here and be over operations in a budget and over um, our staff and trying to develop new leaders. Uh, married to Carla for 26 years. She's a nurse practitioner in town. And we have three kids, two which are grown, and we left in Virginia. And then Jared, our 17-year-old, we have with us here. And I'm Ryan. I'm uh, the teaching pastor here at the church. I've been here for six years. Uh, actually, to mention Ron being professor, if you don't know, um, I was one of his students. That's the connection to getting him out here. Um, so the Lord is, uh, the Lord is good and um, ordering steps and directing lives, and so we're, we've been so thrilled to be at this church and so encouraged by, uh, by you folks for our time here. Um, let me also just quickly just mention the elder candidates that you kind of roughly heard about. Uh, Greg Schneeberger oversees youth ministry. He, we might have him say a little something later on. Uh, Carlos Grego um, oversees the well, young adults ministry. Again, that's under Bill, like Bill said. Uh, Parker Landis is uh, a pastoral assistant on staff, um, and, uh, and Tim Ragsdale, is, uh, he's been a, an elder candidate for uh, over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, this is kind of an unofficial announcement. He, you know, we'll, we'll do the process um, pretty soon here of announcing to you an official proposal of, of Tim Ragsdale as an elder, which means his name goes in the bulletin for about a month. And, uh, and if someone knows that he has a crack addiction or something, um, or something even a little more probable, you know, it, what we want to know is, is there anything we don't know about? Is there any reason why, it's kind of like that thing they sometimes do in weddings, is there any reason why these two shouldn't be wed? Uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. And so we give the, the body a chance to say, um, uh, wait a minute, I, I have a little bit of a concern here. We want to hear that if so. So anyway. You'll hear about that in a couple of weeks or so, but um, Tim Ragsdale is also an elder candidate, soon to be an elder, and uh, like Tim Ray said, soon to be overseeing specifically local outreach ministry in the church, um, which will help Tim, uh, Tim Ray a, a good bit, and Clint, who oversees those ministries on a staff level, because uh, like Tim said, it's a very big ministry. All right, so let's get into some questions here. Uh, let me start with Ron, asking you a question, Ron, about uh, the finances. Um, someone wrote in and asked if, um, they asked why our finances are always in the red. Are we over-budgeted? Are we overspending? So can you give an overall assessment of uh, the, the, the budget and the finances, overall yeah. update on it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll try not to make this real long. <laughs> We started a new fiscal year last fall, October 1st. So October 1 to October 1 is our 12-month fiscal year. 
Um, if you remember, if you were looking at the bulletins last fall before October 1st, I think we were at like 150, 160K, 160,000 in parentheses. Um, we can talk maybe a little later about all the many factors that go into why that, that might have happened, but um, it's not like we grew our budget a huge amount and then realized, oh, we made a mistake, we're spending too much. Um, but last summer, getting ready for this current fiscal year that we're in, we cut about 143000 out. Um, that wasn't quite enough if you're still looking at the bulletins now. However, this year we're really on track. Uh, I think last Sunday we were about 20000 in parentheses. I know that sounds like a lot. Um, maybe for some of you that's a year-long salary. Uh, if you're in college or you, know, you're, you still haven't climbed up a ladder from those bottom few rungs of a, of a salary to make a living on. However, in a $1.5 million budget, um, relatively speaking, it's not a huge amount. Um, to also give you some perspective, since October 1st, and we're now almost through five months, so that's about half, almost half the fiscal year, um, we've pulled back on our spending by 30000 So if the giving we anticipated coming in is 20000 less than we thought it would be, but we spent 30000 less than we budgeted, which you don't see those numbers in the bulletin. Um, in one sense, we're 10K ahead, meaning we, we have 10,000 more as a cushion than we did last October 1st if all checks were cashed and we just got down to some core amount in our checking account. So I say all that to say we're, we're kind of on track. Things are not great, but they're not bad. Uh, we're not in any kind of crisis right now. Um, I thought I'd also tack on uh, and. Um, not so much an update, but like a review of what I mentioned last month at Lord's Supper with maybe one or two new pieces of information. So I won't give the same eight or nine minute speech, uh, but what I said last month was we did reach the conclusion a couple months ago that we had to lay off two of our staff positions. Uh, we have 16 full-time staff. In a few months, we'll be down to 14. Uh, those two are Joy Romano, who's our receptionist, uh, kind of general administrative assistant, uh, front desk person. Uh, she works four days a week, 32 hours a week. Um, and Bill Connor, one of our two facilities guys. Uh, to let you know that, again, it's not some crisis, we gave them a four-month notice and are doing a lot to help them find new employment, to keep them going with a few things even after that four months hits. So um, that's like unheard of, at least in other settings I've been in, uh, outside of a church setting, to give someone that long of a notice and to do all you can to help them. They both had great attitudes, which is what I reported uh, a month ago. To give you a little footnote to that, uh, we're also pulling back on all of our part-time positions with one exception. Um, and that meant a couple weeks ago, I talked to two individuals. One is Kelly Whippo, who helps out in the office one to two days a week. Um, she also, you often see her on uh, nights like tonight because she helps to organize the whole or she does organize the whole youth dinner thing. Um, she graciously agreed to volunteer and just to keep doing her one and a half days a week without pay. Then the other person was Julie Wesselman, who heads up our women's ministry. Um, you may or may not know this, but that's a part-time paid position. Um, I won't tell you how much, but it's not very much. It does not in any way compensate her for all the hours she puts in. But we do help her out uh, for what she does. And so I talked with her a few weeks ago and said... We really can't continue that as a part-time position. But she, just like Kelly, said, 
Um, I'd love to keep, well, actually, I asked her, would you keep doing what you're doing? I realize it'll be completely volunteer now, not kind of half-paid, half-volunteer, um, but this has nothing to do with performance. And so we'd love it if you keep heading up women's ministry, but I know I can't expect that, require it, anything like that. And Julie graciously, like same meeting even, she didn't even go home and think about it, said, I'd love to do that, um, so sign me up. Um, so we usually don't announce part-time positions when we hire them or close up the position, um, but we thought maybe just in the sense of kind of full disclosure, that's what we're doing. Um, we don't anticipate any more layoffs. We're not talking about it. We don't think it'll have to happen. Um, like I said, 20000 uh, when we're five months into the new fiscal year is something we can completely manage. Um, so hopefully, God willing, you know, whatever kind of decrease in giving has happened in the last year or two, um, the valley's kind of a little bit behind us right now. At least that's what we hope and pray about. So not over-budgeting, not overspending, still no, kind of yeah. a, a shoestring sort of operation around here in some ways, right? Yeah, we're, we're love to talk to any of you who've got questions one-on-one. Um, we're definitely not overspending, at least in my opinion. Um, for instance, you know, if I wanted to take a guy even to witness about Christ to him and go out and take him out for coffee, um, I, I could never do that on a DSC account. Um, so there's no way I can imagine that like someone could think we're overspending. But you would have done that a few years ago. We all would have. We have, a, yeah. we have certain funds that are ministry expense funds, and, and it's for that kind of thing. It's a, a, you know, to have the, the funds to, to help someone out while you talk to them about the gospel or counsel with them. But yeah, that, that changed a few months ago or six months ago. Yeah, and, and what didn't change is that ministry. Right. So we cut the funds. We don't cut the ministry. We still go have the cup of coffee, uh, but it doesn't come out of the churches. Yeah. But a lot of senses in which the past years have been really, really good. Um, a number of people, meaning you here tonight, have stepped up and volunteered to come in and do a project if you've got the skill set, whereas, again, two, three years ago, four, five years ago, I don't know that we would have asked or expected or hoped this one would step up. I think our first thought would have been, okay, I guess we've got to hire this, you know, um, to be taken care of. So there's a sense in which, just like as families, many of you have had to cut the budget, but still find time for worship together and vacationing together and somehow fixing the house up when it breaks down. You know, our church has had to do the same thing, but many senses in which we're stronger because of it. And online giving's been great. Right, that's been really helpful for uh, the stability of of what comes in throughout a month. Um, so, you guys have really done a great job of. Uh, we can see it. We, we don't, as elders, we don't see who gives what, but we do see sort of the big categories. And so, uh, Ron and Tim and I, I think, once a week get an email from Gail, our business manager, who um, tells us what came in through those boxes and then what came in through online giving. And it's been interesting to see the online giving grow. And so somewhat the box's money has shrunk, but, um, but that's a, a good thing for consistency of giving. Um, I know sometimes I forget the check that's in my wallet. Um, at the end of the Sunday, I go, ah, forgot to put it in. Um, hopefully it still goes in there, right? But, um, uh, but if you didn't bring your checkbook, then chances are you skip a week or skip a month, however you do it. So online giving is good. All right, let's switch topics here. Um, 
Jay, let's talk about home groups, and um, we, we touched on them a, a little bit on Sunday, but what else do you want to talk about? What else do we need to cover with home groups? Um, what, one person wrote in, do we have enough home groups if we're really emphasizing them? Yeah, so I could speak forever on this, and if you want to, you can... You can't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> but um, some things I do want to mention. Um, when I took over the home group ministry, we had nine... 10, maybe eight groups, and as of the past couple of months, we're up to 22 groups, and I know that sounds small in the scope of the size of our church, but um, just seeing God's faithfulness in that ministry to grow it to where it's at has been a huge blessing, and I can't thank God enough for that. It is still too small. It is too small. Um, this morning in my devotion time, I was reading in 1 Corinthians 16, and it says, in verse 13, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And so really, it's a call to the men in this church to step up and start leading. We need more groups, and there's avenues for that to take place. There's leadership development classes that we have throughout the year. There's an apprentice program that we take men through. Um, the first step I could encourage you to do is to get into a home group. That being said, you're saying, well, there's probably not enough room for me in a home group. Well, that's debatable. Um, I know that we've got soccer practice. I know my kids are starting soccer practice this next month, and there's uh, everything pulling us in whatever direction. Um, let me just encourage you that to get into a home group, it doesn't necessarily need to meet on a Tuesday at 6.42 p.m. with free child care and have dinner for you ready. Make some sacrifices in order to get plugged into a group and um, start that process of becoming a home group leader. We also are making some big changes in the home group ministry, and you guys are going to be the first to know we're no longer going to be calling them home groups. They're going to be called community groups. And the reason for that is that we don't want our groups to be just check the box, we're done with home group. We don't want it to just be another ministry. We actually want it to be a community of believers doing the one another's together. And so that means more than just a Tuesday night at 6.30. It means you're doing the meals for people in need. You're counseling with people who are having trouble parenting. You're... Meeting like our home group does. We have women in our home group that meet every other Thursday and knit together. Um, it's a community of believers. And that also rolls out into local mission. We're on mission together in the community, serving the place where we're at. And so um, there's some really exciting things happening. And um, I just want to encourage each and every one of you to get plugged into one. It's a great opportunity to serve along one another, to be mentored by other people, and to mentor other people. It's a place to serve alongside and rub elbows and get to know people and do what we as Christians have been told to do, especially in the New Testament. We're not supposed to be rogue individuals, right? We hear that a lot from Ryan. It's not just about my personal relationship with Jesus, although that's an aspect of it. There's more to it. There's being in community. And so I'm really excited. The elders are really excited. And this is becoming one of the major thrusts of how you can be plugged into a place that has a pastoral point of connection. So we've talked about that before. 
that there's a lot of different ministries where you can get to an elder, get to a staff position if you're going through a tough time. But the home group, the community groups, is going to be the place where that's going to be the main thrust of ministry going forward. So we're really excited about it. And um, hopefully you guys can catch that vision and uh, become a part of it. Lastly, I told you I could talk a while. Um, Lastly, if I can remember what I was going to say, it needs to be a culture that we start to change from within the body. It needs to be, and I don't even like this term, but a paradigm shift in our culture at DSC that community groups aren't just uh, another ministry. It's actually what we do to be in community with one another. So that's it. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's get this one out of the way. Um, we've noticed some shrinking numbers on Sunday mornings. Let me ask uh, Bill Anderson. Uh, people have left the church recently. Uh, not at all. Not all at once. Not one big group at once. But we've noticed that as elders. So. What have we done to um, analyze that, to think through it? Is there a common thread of why people are leaving that would kind of expose a problem that needs to be dealt with here? Mm-hmm. I think we would say that uh, these would be our, our observations about this. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that maybe a small number of people would leave DSC or have left DSC is over um, things that we would say are, are good reasons um, to be in or not be in a church, things such as doctrinal agreement um, or uh, agreement with our church government. And this is a plurality of eldership, and that's contrary to some of the um, experience or upbringing uh, or, of, of others. And so... In each of those cases that I'm thinking of right now, um, those uh, things were discussed um, with us. They asked us, uh, you know, to explain certain things. And in the end, um, um, decided to leave out of a disagreement with one of those types of things. And ultimately, those are, um, uh, even if we don't agree on that, those are the right reasons to... Um, be in a church and to stay in a church and potentially leave a church if there was a, uh, some sort of disagreement over that. Although that's not what we hope for. I would say the second um, small category uh, would be described as people that leave over um, reasons that are not so good. Um, they have... Uh, uh, usually expressed a, a preference in something else or maybe a frustration that we haven't funded or promoted a, a particular niche ministry that um, had uh, value to them. And, you know, you just heard a discussion about scarcity of resources and scarcity of um, uh, the ability to communicate um, too much to uh, a group of people. And so um, we can think of... of uh, people that have indicated um, leaving over those sorts of, of, of things. Um, and we regret those. We would not agree that that's a good reason to leave a church. But by far the biggest category 
um, is a group of people um, that would leave for reasons that, frankly, we don't really know. Um, it might take us four or five weeks to figure out that, you know, the people that sat in that particular section or seat aren't here anymore. We might not get it in the first week or two, but we eventually figure that out. We always pursue, and, um, and so I would, I'd report to you that in most cases, people um, very kindly and sweetly say, um, and, and this is the pattern, I'm quoting, we love uh, the teaching, we love the worship, um, but we're restless, and um, we decided to go someplace else. Um, it's really an unsatisfying answer. Um, you know, we uh, hope and, and uh, pray that that's all there is to it. We're suspicious that maybe there's something a little bit more. So frequently we might not hear a, a, a different version of that unless they said something else to someone else. So we're, for most of the people that, um, that we have pursued after we've noticed they've gone, that's the kind of response we get. It's not a great answer for you. It's not... Um, very substantive. Um, so here's where we're at. We, it is really tempting to be preoccupied by these things. You know, the question is, do, do we notice and maybe, maybe um, you know, do we care? I, I can't begin to tell you how devastating it is. Devastating. How, family or an individual notwithstanding. Um, if you ask the spouses of any, any elder or deacon or the family members of any staff how that feels, you know, my wife would tell you, it hurts. It, it really hurts. It's personal. We, um, I can't tell you how, how, uh, how hard it is to consider the fact that maybe we've disappointed somebody and have not met their expectations. So just know that the temptation to do the things that are pleasing, are, it's really big. It is really seductive to orchestrate elders' meetings around things that are attractive um, and to, to design things that uh, maybe, maybe address concerns that we're not even sure really exist. Um, so in the end, we are... Um, we're left with really the, the confidence of the Word of God and Christ alone and Jesus' own statement in 16th chapter of Matthew saying, I'm building the church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Not even ineffective elders. Not even families that move between churches, which, you know, DSC is a great example of that. We're a church that has... Um, ebbed and flowed as, uh, you know, as the new church on the block, et cetera. And so that's part of what goes on in, uh, in church as well. And, um, and we, we know that. But we are um, uh, at times on a personal level um, um, humbled by the thoughts of things we have, expectations we haven't met. But you can get really stuck focused on all the wrong things staying in that mode very long. So um, we're here tonight doing this in part 
because to the extent that we have discerned any themes, like uh, we don't know our elders well enough. That's why for the last year you've seen elders at the front and the back. Um, we're shaking hands with Elden every Sunday morning, right? And um, we want you to see who we are and have some point of contact there. Um, this uh, discussion here tonight is an attempt um, to just say um, we are uh, very much interested in, uh, in these things, um, but we're ultimately confident only in our, uh, only in Christ and only in his word and only in um, solid biblical teaching and things we find in scripture to uh, model our church after. And so um, those are the things we will pursue to the best of our um, sinful abilities. But... Anyone else want to add to that? I would just say, <clears throat> it's really easy to measure success by how many high knees are in seats. But we battle to measure our success by the amount of faithful people that continue to rally um, with DSC and to grow this body. So um, we're looking and we desire a people that are faithful. And so... That's why we love seeing um, a lot of people here tonight. It's encouraging to our hearts and hopefully to yours as well. One observation I would make is that um, I think we're growing in community. This is a great reflection of that. Um, I think we're growing in communication as a, a leadership it, maybe that's moving from kindergarten to first grade, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, I think we're growing in our carefulness, our intentionality, our deliberateness. I think we're more thoughtful about why we're going to do what we're going to do now than we used to be. I, I think it was easy you know, a few years ago um, for anyone on staff to basically have any idea, and it would be like, great, if you want to run with it, go with it. And now we're thinking, wait a minute, we're doing all these things. We're spinning all these plates. All of us are, a lot of us are working 70 hours a week. We've got to figure out what to do here um, so we can not ask people to commit to more than they should. And, um, and so anyway, all that to say is I think while some might say, uh, I'm looking for a church that's smaller where there's, maybe they do community better. I would say, well, we have miles of improvement to go as a church, but we're, I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, I, I see people sticking around after the services longer than I used to. Um, you know, I, the, we're just trying things left and right to, I think, move in the direction of where there might be concern about things like, you know, community and um, togetherness, intimacy, like the picture directory where, you know, hopefully someday soon, you can get online and say, I know that face, what's his name? And you scroll through and you see the name and you go, oh, okay. And you write it, you know, on a sticky note in your Bible so when you see him on Sunday, you call him by his name. Imagine that. Um, it'd be great for me because I can't remember names on Sunday. I, I hear too many new names and I'm trying to remember a sermon too and so it, it just goes bye-bye. Um, but I'll, I'll be studying this picture directory through the week and praying through it. I know we... 
we will be praying through it. It'll be a great prayer guide for us um, and hopefully for you as well. So, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Ron, did you want to add anything on this topic? Um, a couple things, yeah. Um, but we definitely do notice, mm-hmm. uh, like Bill said. Um, I did two surveys in 2009. One was specifically about attendance. And I used the staff for that survey, so they were actually a part of that. Um, there was, like Bill said, no common theme that came through. And when you think about it, um, we're really not doing anything much different than we did three, four years ago when attendance was up. If anything, I think we're doing things better. Um, so there was no feedback that came back and said, we hate this part of Sunday morning, that's why we're leaving. Um, that would make it kind of easy, because we could change that part, or if it was integral, say, this is not negotiable. Uh, there were five or six things that came back in the survey. Um, to give you an, a couple of examples, one of them was, um, we're going to visit and see if we can find a smaller church because we want a family feel, maybe a meal after Sunday where we know everybody in church. Well, we're beyond the spot where we can get to know everyone here at Desert Springs. But that teaches us as leaders that we need to work more on this thing called community or connectedness. And hence, home groups being kind of the centerpiece um, in our efforts to do more in that area. But that, you know, we try to act and respond to that kind of interest because that's biblical, that's New Testament, to want to do these one another's and not just attend on Sunday morning. So in one of our staff meetings last fall, we called this the broken record. People's responses on this survey that were along the lines of, we want more community, we want to get to know other people better in church. Um, maybe a few, but maybe you could come on, count them on one hand. Families left because of this buzzword Calvinism. So I don't want to take 10 minutes and try to define terms or talk about whether we are or aren't. Um, you know, we can talk about that later tonight too if we want to, or Ryan can. But some families brought up that, that word. <laughs> I volunteered to ask the question. Right. <laughs> Earlier in the week, Ryan said, this is why I'm going to moderate and be the MC, so I don't have to answer questions. But that came up on a few of them. Um, We had a few come back um, about youth. They were interested in their their high schoolers finding a more fun or exciting program. And I actually do want to respond to that for one or two minutes. Um, We talked with Greg, our youth minister, last fall, and did give him a few suggestions on things to work on. However, 80, 90% of what we did was say, um, we got to affirm what, well, before I was here, maybe four or five years ago, when Ryan and Tim and others kind of gave him a mandate, we want to affirm that, which is uh, we want you to teach kids service and missions and make that a primary part of what you're doing. We want the body of Christ as a whole, not just peer groups, same age, to be a part of what you're doing, therefore intergenerational. If kids say, we don't want parents around, we just want our own age group around, no, don't give in to that. Um, And we want it to be word-centered. So a lot of what we did when a few of these comments came back was say to Greg, do what you're doing. Um, We've got to affirm the direction we gave you as elders four or five years ago. In fact, an interesting stat, statistic that Greg came up with in his reading, again, four or five years ago, was eight out of ten high schoolers in college or after college, leave the church. And this is eight out of 10 that were in Bible-believing churches, Christian homes, in 
youth groups in high school where they would have said, I love my youth group. It's great. Um, why? Because probably they're not intergenerational, not centered enough on Christ and his word, and maybe not teaching enough of service and missions. So that these kids get to college, and what have they been taught by the actions of their church? Seek out people your same age, have a fun time. They may not attend church in college. And if they attend a college group, then certainly when college is done, certainly when college is done, eight out of ten times they leave church. So some of what we're doing is countercultural in our youth ministry, but we're there for these kids for the long term, not just this year and next year. So I'll stop my little high horse in that area. But um, some of these comments that came back were um, centered on youth group and people maybe being attracted to other churches that have, that have more exciting programs. Um, but the, that gives you a few examples of some of the feedback we got back from the survey on um, attendance. Hey, Greg, can we have you come up uh, right now? And uh, why don't you give us just a one to, literally one to two minutes? <laughs> Let's pray about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know why I said that. Um, Hello? Just on, um, here, want to sit down? Just tell us a little bit about what has changed recently. Um, Ron mentioned a couple of things that we recommended maybe uh, adjusting, or I think the way you and I just talked about it a little bit ago was uh, taking the sharp edge off of some of the things. So we want to be, I'm starting to do his answer for him, I don't mean to, but we want to be, what Ron said, family-oriented youth ministry, family-integrated, parent-integrated youth ministry. We want to be word-centered, we want to be, uh, service oriented um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that uh, kids should what yeah should, um, should, should be bored or how, how would you yeah put sure it? no thank you for the the opportunity to speak on this for a second when when we got the results of the survey back Ron uh, kindly pulled me aside and we had a we had a great long very fruitful talk about this Ron and, and Bill and Ryan and myself met after that and just came to the conclusion that, and this is not going to be a shock or a surprise to anyone here, that we can be a student ministry that, that loves teaching the Word of God to kids. And look, I go to the youth pastor lunch every month. These are all my, my buddies, and uh, you know I, I know what's going on at other youth ministries in the city, some really great things. But I, I can tell you it's honestly unique to say, we will be a youth ministry that focuses on the teaching of the Word of God. Uh, family integration in the sense that our, our goal is to see young people in appropriate, age-appropriate ways become valued members of the body. So that's what I'm saying to kids is these aren't throwaway years where you're basically a, you know, a walking extension of your parents' credit card at the mall. So just shh, be quiet, you know, have fun, youth group, um, and... That's it. There's, there's a purpose, there's a mission, there's a, a kingdom reason that you're here at our church. I think what the Lord showed me and is continuing to show me, and it's been, honestly, I can tell you guys, it's been a very humbling and encouraging time in my ministry, that it, there's, no, there's no false dichotomy there. It doesn't have to be, you know, Bible, community, mission, or fun. And I, I mean, I really, I have to name some names. I have to name the Moores and the Harpers and Gibsons and families that have just been incredible in my life to help me come to that realization. 
And I know this is going to sound stupid, but I, I guess I'm 28. I'm not, you know, I'm talking about sharp edges. I guess I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed then. <laughs> Although when you hang out with youth, sometimes you feel a little smarter than you are. Uh, we've got some great kids though, man. Uh, I think one of the things I realized was mid-school kids actually learn through activities. So I'm like, you mean a mid-school boy doesn't want to just go to Starbucks and talk for two hours? No. No, about ten minutes in, they're comatose. And and you're like, that guy was the youth minister and didn't know that? Uh, But honestly, these have been the things that God has just been teaching us, that we can be serious about Bible and serious about mission and kingdom, but we can put that into a context that's fun and exciting and enjoyable and reaches kids where they're at. That's where we've been growing. We, uh, we started a youth leadership team. Within a week, we had 15 kids signed up. We're wondering, why do all these high school kids kind of start falling off? Light bulb. Maybe when they're sophomores and juniors and seniors, they actually want to be doing something and not just showing up. Wow, weren't we right? Now they're all showing up and doing something, and lo and behold, even bringing friends. So... Anyway, I could talk for longer, but it's been good, and it's been humbling. Thanks, Greg. If you have more questions for Greg, feel free to approach him um, tonight or some other time, um, especially if you've got uh, kids that are about to go into the youth ministry or, or are in the youth ministry. If any of that spurred more questions on, feel free to follow up with Greg or with Bill. Uh, Tim, let me ask you a question. Okay. Tell me... Um, Tim does, as he said, family ministry, which is fifth grade on down to first, and marriage, counseling, um, just about everything, seems like. Counseling is a big part of it, though, right? It is. Tell us, um, tell us what your schedule looks like in a week as regards to counseling specifically. How much of it is counseling? Uh, full-time. Um if, if you're talking specific, what we might call crisis counseling, uh, my present schedule is about 15 appointments per week. And for the total amount of time for 15 appointments, it's maybe two to two and a half hours in terms of prep time, actual meeting, note time. Uh, so, so you take 15 and multiply it by two or two and a half. And that's crisis counseling. There's other kinds of counseling uh, that we do. Uh, for example, um, my schedule this week, I think I have 19 total, and four of those are, are of the premarital nature, so there's that type of counseling as well, uh, marriage uh, ministry and premarital counseling. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a full schedule. Yeah. yeah. But here's why I asked that question. It's a setup, uh, setup for him to um, preach. What would you say to encourage or even admonish these people who um, aren't yet in your crisis counseling couch, chair? Um, they don't come to your office for crisis counseling. They're not right now in a personal or interpersonal crisis that requires uh, immediate, hands-on, one-on-one shepherding. What would you say to these people now to encourage them, to strengthen them, to to keep them from needing uh, an emergency situation and in, in emergency counseling and emergency shepherding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first thing I would say is God is good and he is faithful. He's faithful through his word to 
counsel us and to continue to save us. Um, but as, as a body, you know, how, how do we as individuals get to crisis counseling? There's, there's lots of ways uh, that we can get there. Some of the most pronounced, at least, that I would observe both through Scripture and through experience is some of the things that we've talked about already tonight, uh, not being connected. For example, Hebrews chapter 3 tells us that we are to take care of one another and exhort or encourage one another day after day. And the purpose for that is so that we're not deceived by sin resulting in hardness of heart. Well, most crisis counseling or or much of the counseling that comes through the counseling ministry, there's already lots of hardness of heart. Sin is powerful and it's deceptive. It's not knocking on your forehead and telling you I'm going to deceive you. It's deceiving you day after day day. And one of the means that God gives us for fighting that is one another. And so connectivity and not connectivity that is on the surface or at arm's length, but the home group connectivity that we're talking about, being in one another's lives so that we can exhort and admonish one another, encourage one another day after day in our fight against sin. Though we are saved, we are not in heaven. And there is a fight against sin that remains in each of us. So that's one way that the scripture would exhort all of us. How are we connecting with one another? How are we building godly relationships in our lives that go beneath the surface? So that if I'm struggling with my parenting, I have others in my life who can observe that, who I can seek their advice and counsel from, who I can be corrected by, living out the one another's of the New Testament. Much of what we do in counseling is exhort and teach and admonish and encourage. And those aren't calls for the counselor in a formal sense. Those are calls for all of us. Those are biblical one another's for all of us. And so community would be one way. Uh, Seriousness about sin. If we understand what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, sin deceives us. And what that means is we're blind to what it's doing in us. Uh, We desperately need to take sin seriously in our lives. We need to heed the words of the Apostle Paul which says, discipline ourselves unto godliness. We need to avail ourselves of the means of grace, prayer, time in the word. Time in the word that's not, as maybe Jay said earlier, a checklist. I've done my quiet time. A time in the word that says, like David says in Psalm 139, search me and know me. And see if there be any unclean way in me. God uses his word. Hebrews also tells us that his word is sharper than a two-edged sword and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts to help us to know where sin 
exists in our lives. The Lord Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 says, work on dealing with sin. Take the log out of your own eye. And I'm afraid for myself and for many of us that we don't take the exhortations of Scripture and the warnings of Scripture seriously enough. And we don't apply ourselves to diligent pursuit in godliness, humbling ourselves before the Lord and before one another and truly dealing with our hearts and with our sin. So how do we, how do we prevent ourselves from getting to crisis counseling? Grace of God foremost, but applying ourselves to the things he tells us in his word, applying ourselves diligently and wholeheartedly to these things. If we don't live in community and if we're not serious about sin, it will deceive us. And Hebrew says the result of that is hardness of heart. That's how we get to the Christless counseling. Supposed to be some way. Is it fair to say that the majority of people who come to you in a crisis, crisis in marriage, crisis with uh, something personal, um, they've had a secret for a long time, right? They've kept this from others. This has been a family secret or a marital secret or a personal secret. And basically, few people, if any, have been let into that secret. And so it's, it's just grown, right? It's grown yeah. more problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we are great at, at covering and hiding things up. And part of that is, is because we don't have those close relationships. And that's easy to do. You keep everybody at arm's length and you can cover that up and, and hide that. But yeah, there's a secret. And what we need to understand is that the gospel calls us. The Lord Jesus, our king, implores us to come into the light to not keep things secret, to not pretend. And in our sin, we're all good at pretending. Everything's okay. And yet we're messy. We all have sin. And it's safe to come into the light and deal with that. And a home group is is a great place to, to see that lived out as you develop a rapport and relationships with other Christians. And we don't have to pretend we can bring these things out and we can deal with them in ways that will honor God and, and will save us from our sins. So, so yeah. Isn't it fair to say too that it's not just a, an issue of community and one another's and maybe a home group context. Maybe, maybe some folks should have called their pastor, whoever, you know, maybe you connect with one of us up here or another staff member um, more easily, but you should have talked to someone uh, who's in a pastoral role in your life a lot sooner, right? I mean, yeah. instead of waiting for it to be a scale of 1 to 10, an 11, um, or even a 9, you know, maybe saying, you know what, this is serious, and uh, I, I probably should tell my home group, but I think I want to come and talk to a pastor first and say, here's what I'm struggling with. And I, I, need to, I need shepherding. I need help. Yeah, yeah, we have to... Again, I think we have to to take it seriously, to be suspicious of ourselves, to know that this is a 
an issue in each one of our hearts and, and be willing to come quickly to deal with those things, to deal with uh, the issues within our hearts. You know, what is counseling? The crisis counseling that Ryan was referring to, it's discipleship when there's a huge, huge problem. If we think of it that way, if we're not doing discipleship, if we're not involved in the one another's that we covenant together here as a, as a church to do, then again, it's easy to keep those things quiet, to ignore them, to even be deceived uh, by sin in us. And so we've got to get connected to, to others and, and take this seriously and, and do the biblical one another's to, to do discipleship, to, to understand sin, to, uh, to grow in grace. We've got to do this with one another. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it is, uh, you know, it's, we're hiding things for a long time. We don't have close relationships. Uh, we've let it go way too far, and it's on the brink of disaster in, in many cases. And, and, and we, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We need to trust him. We need to look to him. And we need to apply ourselves to what he has called us to do in living life together. Can I encourage you to pray for this guy? Because um, it's hard to hear people's struggles uh, and to shepherd them and plead with them with tears, uh, his tears and their tears. To do that for the number of hours that Tim does in a week. And um, unless you're seeing Tim, unless you're one of those people, um, you probably don't think to pray for him. You might think of praying for me on a Sunday morning that, you know, okay, Ryan's got to preach this morning. And, and uh, you might think to pray for me. That's great. Don't forget to pray for guys like Tim, um, especially in this very hard shepherding role. Very intense, um, very burden-bearing kind of work. Uh, we need to pray that God keeps his spiritual and emotional shoulders strong and uh, is good at casting his burdens in the Lord and uh, knowing who the chief shepherd is. Um, not easy, though. All right, Tim Ray, let me ask you uh, about local outreach specifically, if we can dial into that. Um, I touched on it just a bit on Sunday, but let me just open it up for you to kind of jump in to give a better... Uh, evaluation of where we are, a better update for local outreach here at Desert Springs? Sure. <clears throat> T-Rags, you can jump in anytime too. Since you've got T-Rags is Tim Ragsdale. Sorry. Yeah. If, Too many Tims. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. We shouldn't have sat next to each other. We had a house. Tim King who was an elder candidate, and thankfully he moved to Maryland because we would have had too many Tims. <laughs> Just kidding. We love the Kings and we miss them dearly. But, <laughs> yes. but that was getting a little absurd with four Tims. In the same room. I did put a moratorium on the I thought it was fine. Okay. For what it's worth. Anyways. Um, Local outreach. I mean, as you guys know, I mean, we talk about global and with Guatemala, uh, North Africa a lot, uh, and that's coming down the pipe certainly more, and you'll be hearing a lot more about that. Um, And local kind of doesn't get talked about too much during Sundays, although there are a lot going on behind the scenes. And that's something you guys should really know, not just with missions or local outreach, but 
mean, there's a lot behind the scenes that we're working on and doing, and that's, again, part of the reason we're wanting to be here tonight and, and just encourage you guys to know that we're always available, so by all means, approach us. Um, we'd be happy to share. But with local specifically, I mean, we've had a team together now for about a year and a half, about a year, year and a half, roughly. Um, and, you know, what this team has really been focusing on and the reason it's been a little bit behind uh, closed doors is really evaluating what we're doing. Um, as Ryan talked about a little bit earlier, you know, about being a little bit more intentional in certain areas, this would be one of them. Um, with global taking off as it has and just doing, you know, it's been amazing to see what the Lord's done, you know, we want to see that in local as well. Um, and part of that is first evaluating what we're supporting. So, because number one is we get ready to do some of the things we're looking at with church planting. Um, we have to rein in resource because it's expensive. And so uh, that starts with, with some of the little things and, and even some of the big things. So that's something we've really been evaluating both globally and locally. What are we supporting and why? And trying to rein some of that in. Um, so this team's been meeting, evaluating, identifying areas. Uh, they've come up with a criteria. If you guys know Clint, he's like psychotic with charts and things like that and flow charts. Um, you know, so he's created his little flow chart for the team that they of things they just go down the list and they and they evaluate. So I can get into more specifics on you know ministries we're supporting locally right now uh, later, but just for the sake of time, I don't want to do that. The bottom line is this: back to community groups. That is where locally these things are going to get lived out, especially through uh, community groups or home groups, as you've been used to hearing. So. Um, you know, we're working towards things to where uh, we, we are going to be working hand-in-hand hand with the leaders of all these community groups to be identifying ways that th- those groups can get involved in the community. It's not just going down to, uh, um, gosh, ECM or any place doing the Christmas store down there. That is part of it, absolutely. But also part of it is uh, inviting your neighbor over for dinner, okay? Uh, that is all part of local outreach. And so those are the things that we're working towards specifically related to local. And I know you can speak some more on this, so I'll, I'll kind of let you say some things. Well, I think as we got, when we got the question, it was kind of worded in a way we were con- contrasting it with what we were doing with global. There's right. a lot of exciting stuff going on with global, global outreach. And you were seeing a lot of slides. You would see a lot of announcements and those kind of things. But they're very different. Local... Uh, with global, it requires centralized effort. We all come together. We all focus have a specific effort and a specific outreach. With local, guys, we have, uh, it's, it's very different in that the men on this stage, Ephesians 4, are, the job is to equip the saints for the works of service. And uh, so as we are expanding local outreach, and you're, you've heard uh, T-Rays mention a couple of those, uh, our, our our new affiliation with Acts 29 in church planning, because God builds his kingdom through the local church, mm-hmm. through you. And our affiliation with Acts 29 is just getting kicked off. We're also adding a missions component to our community groups, formerly known as home groups. And finally, we are equipping the saints in our teaching with classes like our ambassadors class. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, you are ambassadors for Christ. 
The question is, what kind of an ambassador are you? So what we do in those classes is to help you be a better ambassador for Christ. So um, when you run into those situations at work and people, and you say, you say something, you think, I should say something here. We want to equip you with what to say and how, and, uh, how to break the ice and invite somebody over to dinner, like T. Ray was saying. And uh, so anyway, local outreach is very different, so you're not going to see lots of events and lots of slides and that kind of thing for it. And that's purposeful, isn't it, guys, that oh, yeah. we don't want it to be so much a come and see kind of thing where evangelism is done in the church always. Evangelism is done by the professionals. You just bring your friend, and we'll get the professional to tell them the gospel. But instead, we want, it, we want you to spread. And so that, that's why it's more organic, you could say. It's, more, um, it's a little more street level. It's not exactly program-based. It's not exactly event-minded. And so we do some events. We're talking about the possibility of other events, other evangelistic events. Um, you know, a few years back, we did the Bill Edgar Jazz Night. Uh, this last summer, we did um, invite the community to our church picnic. We're looking for ways to have occasional programs and events that are evangelistic and outreach-oriented. And you can always invite your friends who aren't Christians to come on Sunday morning. Um, but, but we think primarily what's going to happen is people are going to be changed by the gospel as that gospel goes through a personal relationship. I mean, it's just statistically what we know. Um, people get saved generally through uh, a, a relationship in some way, shape, or form. And so, um, so that's one reason why it looks like there's... I think the, the question someone wrote in was, are we just giving local outreach lip service when... All we really talk about are the big programs for, um, for global mission. And what we would say to that is, well, we're improving. We're trying to improve, bear with us, on spreading a passion for um, the glory of God going in this community and reaching hearts that haven't yet believed. Um, but, yeah, but as far as programs go, we're, we're not going to ever try to make that a, a, a parallel uh, between global and local. The, the global has to be programmatic, and the local primarily shouldn't be programmatic in our understanding of it, because uh, like Tim said, uh, Tim Rags, uh, Ephesians 4, here you guys do the work of the ministry. We, this is an equipping thing that we do here in some ways. Ryan, isn't that a theme that's sort of emerging tonight? Greg's passion is to not be the professional youth minister to kids, but to um, equip families to raise their children. Isn't it our goal to see Tim Bradley retire because the burden of, <laughs> of counseling is born in, among the, the body? Isn't it a theme that we don't want to be professional program administrators, but we want to be the church? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good connection, Bill. Yeah. That's great. Anything else, guys? Did she translate psychotic when he said psychotic? (laughs) (laughs) She did, didn't she? That's funny. That's what I thought. (laughs) Well, one more question kind of transitions us to the Lord's Supper, unless you guys have one more that you want to throw in here. Any good of the order? Uh, 
we had a we have one question. We get this from time to time. At least I do because I um, the one who normally leads Lord's Supper services. But it's a Lord's Supper question, and the question goes something like this: from time to time, in varying ways, uh, why do ours look so different? What, why? Why don't we have the same liturgy, if you like that word, or if you don't, why don't you say the same things um, as my Baptist church or Presbyterian church did when I was growing up, where, um, you know, the passage was read and a deacon prayed, and, and then certain things were said as the, uh, the bread was entering into our mouths. And so, so we talked about this in our elders meeting, I just threw out the questions that I would answer it, and Bill Anderson jumped in with a great uh, I thought, a great uh, bit of input on that. Bill said, if I can uh, try to capture your words, Bill. I hope so, because I can't remember what I said. Okay. <laughs> Bill said, and from what I know from church history, this is right, liturgy exists for succinct accuracy. So when I say liturgy, keep in mind, I mean formal liturgy, like you say these words, and it goes in this order, and it's always like that. We never break from the rule. Um, Bill summed it up well, I think. Liturgy exists for formal, I'm sorry, for accurate expediency, something like that. Uh, The point is this, is that for most churches, the Lord's Supper is done at the end of a service, and you've got to be hurried. You know, it's tacked on. We call it the tack-on thing. And maybe you came from that. I, I did. I grew up in that. And we're rebelling against it here. We do a whole Wednesday night to focus in on the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And so, um, so just in certain phrases, which are great phrases a lot of times, accurate phrases, sometimes pulled directly from Scripture, but not necessarily in order and not necessarily a liturgy that's given to us precisely from Scripture. We're messing with what you're used to so that you think. Uh, and if you're used to certain words being said that actually are biblical, remember that every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we have that time once you sit down, we say, open your Bible, look at the passages, go, and you can always look at the end of gospel accounts to look for Jesus' death. A little bit before that in some of them is the Last Supper. You want to see Jesus' words about this is my body broken for you, my blood that was shed for you. Go read it there. We may say it sometimes. Sometimes we may not. Um, But we'll have spent, hopefully, a good half hour uh, talking about the cross and what it means to remember and singing songs that are dialed in just to that theme. And so it it may not be your cup of tea, um, but then just keep in mind that it might just be a preferential cup of tea, and we all have to bring those preferential cup of teas to church and uh, try to get along and put them together and, and be okay with our preferences sometimes being different, whether that's music styles or, um, or home group structure or, or sermon length, if for some reason you thought that would be an issue. Um, <laughs> right. Of course, people think I get it a lot that they're not long enough. But um. <laughs> so maybe we can have you guys transition down, if you would. Thanks so much for doing this for us tonight. I mean, yeah. Thank you, guys. And let me say this: that um, if you have any more questions for these guys, it's always open mic with them on a personal level, a one-to-one level. Um, the, the questions are always uh, 
an encouragement to you, uh, or something we want to uh, foster and encourage. So if you have concerns or questions, come to us. Uh, email addresses are on the website for everyone on staff and uh, all of our elders. And um, you know, maybe you have a, a follow-up question to something we talked about tonight, and you want to uh, talk with one of us after the service, if you're able to stick around. Um, or if, um, if you want to email us or talk to us later, um, do that. Let us know how we can help. Let us know how we can answer questions. It's quite possible that tonight maybe raised a question that you didn't have before or raised more questions than you had before. That's great. Let's, let's chat. And um, so don't think that tonight is uh, the only time for, for questions.